Hello, everyone, and welcome to the big show. I'm Jeff Gamut. I'm your interim host, sitting in for Ewan Rankin, and uh, and I'm super excited to be here because all of you are absolutely awesome, and I get to hang out with cool people. I know you hear me say that a lot, and I say it a lot because I genuinely appreciate getting to hang out with all these cool, amazing people. Um, so speaking of, Patrice, how are you? I'm doing well. It's been, yeah, it's been a good week. I mean, random week. I got like I had two doctor's appointments. Like I, I came in one day and I was like, hey, by the way, what like what happened to the like the vaccinations I wanted to get? And they were like, oh, we haven't, we have a slot tomorrow. We actually, she was like, we actually called you and we have a slot tomorrow. And I'm like, you didn't call me, but okay. I mean, let's do that tomorrow. So I did that yesterday. Great. So I now have my fifth COVID shot and my and, and my very first flu shot. So okay. that's fantastic. And other than my arm hurting, it's all good. So yeah, yeah is that? <laughs> yeah, that's all I had after the last uh, COVID booster. Yeah. Just it's for me to know. Like I never have any issues. Like it's I don't know. It's my my immune system just doesn't care apparently. Yeah, I. I, I had um, just minor um, symptoms mm-hmm. with with uh, every uh, code vaccination, except for one of the boosters, mm-hmm. and and uh, I, I'd been getting the Pfizer version, mm-hmm. except for this one time only Moderna was available, and I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. care, yeah. pump that in me, and that was the one where my body was like, whoa, let's yeah. pretend like we're <laughs> sick for a day. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that even might have been a coincidence. Like, yeah, I know people yeah. for, for whom it's been like every time it was different. So it's just like our immune systems just do whatever they want. Like some yeah. some some people have nothing. Some people are sick for a week. Like it's just yeah. But yeah. I mean overall, it doesn't matter. Like it, it's all for for the better. So right, and I'm certainly not complaining. No, I'm just exactly. just oh. observing that there was a difference one time. Yeah, I actually the I think the first I think the the very first and then the boost the first booster, I actually planned them in a way that was like okay if I get sick like let's do it on a Monday or Tuesday so I can take sick days and I was ready for it and I was like yeah let's yeah I'll, I'll be sick like two days of sleeping and nothing happened I'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of looking forward to that I was like yeah it's it, that's how bad it's it it was like it, it worked and everything I, I I wanted to be sick. Uh, my my last booster um went in and it was one of those things where where um the insurance company announced that hey you can get shots now you can schedule them but here are the clinics where you can do walk-ins we don't know how long you have to wait and one of the clinics is like 10 minutes away got my car drove right over went in i didn't have a wait it was me mm-hmm. and two nurses hanging out <laughs> and uh, and they had music playing and Aww. and so uh, um, they gave me my shot and then we all just hung out and danced for a little while and oh, that's so and cool. I went back home. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean the very first the the like the first I think the yeah the very first one the first booster that was an interesting experience for at least from my perspective because I mean that was in like in the middle of like pandemic and everything stuff. So the military was running that one. It was like a big like gym wow. or some sort, like some or concert hall or whatever. 
and mm-hmm. uh, like the military was running it here, the Austrian military. So that was interesting. interesting. <laughs> like there were right. like people, soldiers everywhere, and then like for sure also doctors, like and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was what? that was interesting. <laughs> My first booster, the first one I could get an appointment for was over in Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, I just wanted to get it. So whatever, I'll drive to Santa Cruz. It's about a 30-minute drive. Yeah. And they set up uh, the shots. You, you you drove into this place, which is mm-hmm. an old drive-in movie theater. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. That they That's use cool. for flea markets and stuff. So mm-hmm. you drive in, you roll your mm-hmm. window down, they mm-hmm. give you the shot. And then back then they were worried about you know, negative yeah, effects. So adverse reactions. So you have to wait half an hour, right? We had to right. do that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so after you get a shot, you go park your car in the old mm-hmm. drive-in movie theater stalls. So we look <laughs> around and there's like a hundred cars. Yeah. yeah. And, and probably and like nurses walking around. They're looking at a blank screen. Around, so. <laughs> a blank screen. <laughs> they should have shown a movie. Like <laughs> <laughs> They should have. Yeah. You know, the old <laughs> cartoons or something. Yeah, it would have been funny. <laughs> that would have been great. Oh, yeah. Speaking of great, Tom, how are you? <laughs> I am I'm speaking of great. I'm doing great, Jeff. Thank you. Awesome. I'm, That's great. I'm in the in the final stretch of getting prepared for uh, a trip. My brother and I uh, are going to Egypt, Egypt oh, and wow. Istanbul. And it's a little weird because it's it's all set up through tours. You know, Egypt mm-hmm. is a l- little bit hard to to do on your own. It's a ton of work. So I found a travel agent here locally that has experience in Egypt and she's setting us up with tours in Cairo and Aswan and go to the Red Sea for a little while. So there's all the chaos of just planning a trip. And I, like I said, I've never done a tour, so I'm not used mm-hmm. to how do I connect with the people and you know mm-hmm. who do I call? Yeah. And Sounds weird. Yeah, it's weird. You know, well, they don't... we'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be totally fine. You know, mm-hmm. once we get a connection at the airport when we get there, and then of course I'm keeping my eye on all the political stuff and make sure that stuff doesn't blow up in Egypt. It seems okay now, mm. uh, but yeah, if if it gets worse, then maybe I won't be gone. In fact, mm. <laughs> well. I mean, ho- hopefully it works out. Hopefully the the Gaul don't show up and ruin it for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I can make that wow. joke now. <laughs> now that he's seen one season of SG1, he's making that joke. <laughs> and of yeah, course, I have probably, no idea. There's probably like half a percent of our listeners who just understood that. I have no idea what you're talking about, but it sounded funny. Yeah, my joke is only what 30 years late. Um, yeah, wait, was yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. I think the the first Stargate movie was like, was it 94, 95? So, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Stargate. <laughs> I think so, at least. Maybe I'm misremembering. But... It's, it's been long enough ago. It's okay to say not yeah. the same century. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, oh, that's like, whatever. That, that movie is not that old. It's only 30 years, right? Oh, only 30 years. <laughs> Wow, 30 yeah. years. Alien is only, what, 45 years old. Yeah. That's the one that always surprises me how old that one is. And it, it still holds up. Yeah. October it, 1994. Thank you, Call Sheet. Isn't Call Sheet the best? <laughs> it's it's really great. I still yeah. haven't so converted October to Call Sheet. So it is, you're, 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 all, you're 
Correct. It is almost exactly 30 years. So in October, it will be 30 years. Wow. Wow. Oh. Okay. We've established that we're all old, I guess. <laughs> Including me, apparently. <laughs> hey, do you think it's safe to talk about what happened during the pre-show? Um, we should keep that for the end. For the end. There, okay. there was definitely something really exciting that's, that happened and some big announcement that we have, but let's keep We'll save it for the end. end. I love this plan. Yep. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, since we're here and uh, we're, we're going through the pretense of doing a technology-focused podcast, <laughs> who has the first story? Yes, <laughs> that will be me. All right. It, the story is actually a little bit more than a week old. So you, it's from the last Yeah, show, well, I mean, CES <laughs> happened and yeah. we had to talk about that. And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So um, this one is, um, from my perspective, good news about self-driving cars. Uh, you know, there are certain companies out there that have been testing basically in public with like public cars and like people's cars that they bought and like doing all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff and getting in all kinds of trouble legally and also in general, <laughs> killing people in some cases. Um, mm -hmm. So Waymo is kind of, you know, the opposite. And you, you would think, oh, Waymo, they, they've been doing highway trips, right? Because it's the easy one. Nope. Yeah, that's, they're only that is surprising. Now, they're only now doing highway testing. So they've That's been basically, they, they limited themselves to like uh, suburban areas, like they started in Mesa and expanded into the, the greater Phoenix area, but it's all like all surface streets, like all, like no highways. Because and slower speeds, I'm guessing? Slower speeds, and I think a general less hazards, less reckless drivers, I would assume. Well, still probably some, but not, not that many. Um, Probably also the bigger challenge, to be honest. I mean, I at least I would assume so. Uh, the bigger challenge, but the lower risk. Like if something goes wrong, it's low speeds. Mm -hmm. So if you if you if you mess up at on a at like highway somewhere, you have a problem. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because so, you would think you know freeways would be a little bit. There are probably a little a few less variables for the car mm -hmm. to deal with. But yeah. like you said, it, it's a small probability, but very high impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we we know, like, I mean, we've all been on, on, on highways and freeways. Like, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of bad drivers there and plenty of hazards. Um, so it's, yeah, as I said, like, they, they're very, I've always maintained, like, I think they said them themselves, like, they realized, like, I think in the early the early 2010s, I think, they, they realized that like the assistive technologies that other companies are developing just isn't going to do it because it's just going to cause too many issues because we are, to, to quote one of my favorite books so far, we're stupid monkeys. And <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're or, or sometimes also called stupid meat sacks. Um, like... The second, I mean, and and you know that. I mean, you've seen that. That's why, like, um, like road road accidents have increased over the last actually decade or so, yeah, um, because definitely. because we're like the more technology we have, the more we just tune out. We're like, oh, the the car's handling it. We feel safe. Like the the car's driving basically. 
when you it know, clearly is not, right? I, I think that's a big effect that once people get used to adaptive cruise control and mm -hmm. indications on your rear, your side mirror that there are cars coming, yeah. I think it does have the effect that people pay less attention. Exactly. And I, or, I, I or first pay attention noticed to other things. Other mm -hmm. things. I, I first noticed it when backup cameras became very popular, mm -hmm. that people paid a lot less attention to their surroundings when they use backup cameras. Yeah. And, I mean, to the point yeah. that some manufacturers want to remove the, the, the rear view mirrors, like as far as they can. Which to me is absolutely crazy. Why? Why? Why would you think that's a, a reasonable well, thing to do? I, I was in preparing for my trip to Egypt. I was reading about transportation and taxis and roads and cars. And they say in in Egypt, nobody ever uses their rearview mirrors. And the traffic is so congested and they're not really lanes or anything. Mm. So to squeeze through tight spaces, all the taxi drivers fold in their rear view because <laughs> they never use them anyway. Yeah. I mean, at low speeds, it probably doesn't matter as much. Like, it's <laughs> yes. not, if everything is congested, it doesn't matter. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, had I been, had we had this conversation before I did my trip to Italy years and years ago, mm. I would have been looking at the, uh, at the, uh, side mirrors on the taxis um dri driving through uh florence mm -hmm. i mean that that was an adventure yeah <laughs> it, it was all like it, you, you could roll down your window and reach out and not reach far mm -hmm. and touch the cars stuck in traffic <laughs> mm -hmm. beside you yeah yeah it's, yeah i mean that, that's why I'm saying, like, I've like way more realized. And, and I mean, it's not that they like had some scientific or philosophical discussion and came up with that idea or had some visionary, like, whatever. No, they tested it and realized in their testing that that's what happened. Yeah. It's just human nature that the second you don't have to pay attention, you don't. You you're like you find something else to look at. You find like whatever there's an interesting painting at the street, or like some street artist, or that this whatever landscape mm -hmm. is beautiful, whatever. Or like your phone is super interesting all of the sudden. Like it, it's it's just human nature. We find something else, and, and that's why they're doing that. And that's why I've been. I mean, we've had, we've heard very little of. Like very little about Waymo in, in in like terms of issues, there are probably some. Yeah, we hardly like, ever hear about any at all, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, so there's much probably more some conservative with their testing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they 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 were very. They, it took them years and years and years of like driving with with safety drivers and so on until they they finally even applied for licenses to to do like like real self driving. Yeah, they've been no, Google's no drivers. Been, Google's been driving with drivers for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, they used to if um a street that's just about a block away <laughs> from me, if you get on it and drive straight, you, you mm -hmm. run into Google. It's about four or five miles away. And they would just go up and down this street. And yeah. then they started venturing off into the side streets. Yeah. And then you'd yeah. see them on the expressway. But you yeah. know, I've never seen a Waymo car on a freeway, even for testing. So I wonder when they've done that.
Um, they're probably doing that, as I said, like they started in Phoenix, so they're probably Phoenix, doing that in yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. Um, so and, and I mean, they've been doing like the the point in, in this article is they've been doing this for a while now with with safety yeah. drivers. So they've for sure been like internal employees have been have been like or or with employees as um, as passengers basically as well. Right. Like they've been testing it, but they're getting close to maybe opening it up to the I think it's called the early driver program. Uh, sorry, early rider program. Um, so like early adopters that can now maybe test that, like they're, they're feeling confident enough that they're like, okay, we can get like not random people yet, but like more, more the public to, to, to try it. And it, it's been a long time since I've been to Phoenix, but my recollection is the freeways are pretty straightforward yeah, there pretty much yeah i mean it's it's a ring so like it's right. it's like there, there's like a couple of turns but it's like mostly it's like pretty straight and you know i always think about san francisco since they they run in the city the freeways can be kind of a nightmare around here mm. <laughs> <laughs> i love how you kind say of, yeah. kind of a nightmare <laughs> mm -hmm. okay they can be a complete nightmare yeah, I, I mean, mean a big, a big yeah. problem here. I don't know about the rest of the country, but a big problem here is there's no traffic enforcement anymore. <laughs> you know, people used to see the the CHP all the time on the freeway, and there were certain mm -hmm. hot spots that you know that you couldn't speed because you'd get a ticket. Mm -hmm. You know, now I can drive back and forth between here and San Francisco for forty miles each way and never see a patrol car. It's true. I like I like all in the, the two years I was in Phoenix, I was driving there. I, I don't think I ever saw no, this outside of Phoenix. I, I once saw a high bike patrol, but never in Phoenix directly. So, as a result, people just know that they're not going to get tickets and they basically yeah. race, you know, some people race up and mm -hmm. down the freeway and weave mm -hmm. in and yeah. out of traffic. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the difference is in Phoenix. I mean, yeah, like the, there's usually tons of traffic and traffic like. The, the, the racing is pretty hard there because there's always a lot of cars. Right, uh, it's usually at night here. I just saw a video mm -hmm. the other night on on 101. These two people racing and crashed mm -hmm. their cars. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, that that'll be interesting to see how well mm -hmm. it works on the freeway in Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I'm I'm very much I, I, like they, they, it's it's also like it's a very quiet company in general. Like they, they every now and then they put out like very specific videos where they want to hit a very specific point and then you don't hear anything from them for like months right. or something probably the way yeah, you should do, do self-driving cars yeah right? it's uh, mm -hmm. i mean i think their point i mean one the, the 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 thing about waymo is they're not creating technically they're not creating a self-driving car they're creating a self-driving driver that can be applied to any car and they have different cars they've partnered with I think it was Jaguar, I want to say. I think recently they switched to GM, if I remember correctly, or Ford. No, I think it was Ford, like the the Mach E, I think. Um, so they're mm. like they they were simply applying. I mean, it's not as like just install the software, update, and it works. Like it's it's a ton of work and customization for that for that car and so on. But their mm -hmm. their plan is to have what they call the 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 driver, the Waymo driver. So that that's it. That's why it's not. A, I mean, it started as a car. Google had those little kind of like it, they're really cute. Those little right. like it looked like I don't know, like, like a little bubble a cars. Right. A bubble car, yeah, like that. Right. Like, they were funny they were looking. Really, they were really cute and funny looking, and that's what they started. But they abandoned that at some point. 
Yeah, and then they bought all the Chrysler Pacificas. Oh, Chrysler, yeah, that's what they started with. That's true. Yeah, and then they had Jaguar, I think, iPays, and I think now they're on the, on the Mac here, if I remember correctly. Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. So yeah, that's um, it's it, it's like I think we're we're still we're still far away from general availability of this everywhere. Well, we haven't even see hit it... the point where they're testing in uh, more volatile weather areas. Yes, like right. there's there's nothing happening on public roads in Colorado. Yeah, I don't know Which if there's would be a big even private testing. Say being done here yeah which which for sure would be a big challenge like you have i mean you can have four seasons in a day where you are so right and actually we're working on that today right now mm -hmm. <laughs> well it, wow. it, get, getting back to sort of the philosophy of how they're doing it it truly is step by step and like you say they they've been in some relatively uh, safe cities you know certain parts mm -hmm. of san francisco phoenix where they yeah. they do a lot of testing next minor step is to do freeway testing in phoenix mm -hmm. so it it gives you an idea of how long it's going to take for this yeah. you know I'll... this idea that we're all going to be in self-driving taxis mm -hmm. in five years is crazy yeah on the other hand they are operating i think the only successful self-driving taxi business like they are yeah. charging for it and they, yeah. they were confident mm -hmm. enough it's not that like one of those uh, well, it's a novelty, so might as well charge for it. Like, no, they were confident that it has reached a point where they can charge people for that service. So they're doing that. They're partnering. I mean, they started partnering with Uber. Even you can you can like call a call basically a Waymo with the Uber app. So they're they're doing. It's not they're not just very deliberate about the the technology. They're also thinking about the business model. Right. So if you call a robo-taxi through Uber, what picture do they use for the driver in the profile? <laughs> R2-D2. Oh, that, okay. that would be cool. Yeah, or C3PO. Because it translates to the machine, right? Right. <laughs> yes, he is protocol droid. <laughs> yeah, well, it's. I, I guess it is a protocol droid because it is, if it's yes. a droid, it does not yeah. have gender. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, this is it. I'm I'm like I'm I've been following Waymo since I think the like the mid to well the what became Waymo since I think the like mid two thousands when they did the uh what was it, Dark Party Grand Challenge and Urban Challenge and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um and I've been very interested in in that from a technology perspective and I, I still think it is the future, it's just not where we think it is yet. As long as it's ready by the time I'm too old to drive, I'll be happy. Fair. Um, yeah, I, I just about hate two, driving. About two years. About two years. Okay. Uh, they better no, hop I, to it then. Exactly. And I, and, and I just hate driving. So like anybody who can take that from me, I'm very happy. So. All right. Um, Tom, tell us about your story. Um, some of you may be surprised that I have a story about semiconductors. Shocked. Um, I am shocked, shocked, I say. Totally shocked. <laughs> didn't, didn't see that one coming. So this is a, a story. Uh, the, the article I, I linked to is a, it's a substack, so I apologize about substack, but um, it seemed to be the best one. Um, there, there's a conference every year in January called IEDM, IEEE Electronic Device Meeting, I think. 
And it's generally the place where all the cool new things about, mostly about transistors come out. And if you look at the article and it gives a little bit of history about um, the transistors that are used in all the devices we have and how we went from planar, which was around for a long time. And then about 10 years ago, there was a transition to FinFET. And right now, the current state of the art that's just getting into production is something called gate all around. And, you know, the details aren't important. It's just um, new transistor architectures that are designed to deal with the limitations of physics in, in pretty novel ways to, to keep pushing on performance and density and, and low power and so on. And uh, the thing I wanted to highlight is down towards the bottom is the development of CFET. Mm -hmm. uh, complementary mm -hmm. FETs. And the idea with CFET is um, normally transistors are placed next to each other. And with and you need two types of transistors, an N-type and a P-type. They're sort of the inverse of each other in terms of behavior. And normally they're laid out side by side. And CFET, the idea is you stack them on top of each other. And the primary benefit is density. Uh, there are, are a few other benefits, and density means more transistors for a given area on on a die on a chip. Um, and this is kind of the first step for logic to do what you've seen with NAND devices for six seven years now. And I'm I'm sure a lot of people are aware that NAND density in all the you know the the flash memory that you can buy is. is the density is really dramatically improved over the last years because they've done it, started stacking vertically. And this is all monolithic. It's not gluing separate chips together. It's actually growing it and processing multiple layers. So this is step one for logic. And I know, you know, when I was still working, the discussion was CFET would be a pretty big jump in, in getting on a, a new train for evolution for logic and and keeping us on this performance power density uh improvement path not quite the same as it was you know for a long time uh but keeping the improvements coming so you hear a lot of people talk about moore's law being dead and where semiconductors gonna go the important point about this is now you can see a roadmap for the next 10 to 20 years where we'll still see a lot of improvement. And I'm pretty sure, you know, Intel talked about this publicly, which means they have some confidence. They've been working on it for 10 years, and so is TSMC and Samsung and a bunch of other people. Um, but the fact that they're starting to talk about it more publicly with um, experimental devices and, and um you know, pictures, X-ray images or SEM images of actual mm -hmm. test devices means it's pretty likely to happen. You won't see it in devices, you know, that you can buy for probably another six, seven, eight, nine years. But again, mm -hmm. I think the important thing for all of us is uh, having faster and smaller devices that do more incredible things. We we still have a lot of runway left. Yeah, I mean, and it's not always about the faster devices. Sometimes it's about smaller devices. I mean, we've seen like, I mean, when we went from, well, you need to you need to, you need to build a freaking building to have a, like a computer that can do little bit like some calculations, um, to like, hey, there's a computer like on your wrist basically, um, that has allowed you to do things that I mean wouldn't have been possible simply because now you can like cram a tiny computer and yeah, it's not 
it's not as powerful as our, our Macs or like our computers that we have on our desks, but it's powerful enough to do the things it needs to do. And I think that's important. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and if we can do small, if we can do like even the same performance at smaller and maybe yeah. more energy efficient scale, then that even that is worth it for some, some use case. I mean, think about, I don't know, your routers at home, um, like if they could be smaller or more efficient, don't use as much energy or your TV or, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, wearable devices. Yeah. I think wearables is a, is, you know, is a good example. If you think about mm -hmm. vision pro or the, yeah, the Facebook true. glasses, how much better they would be if you could put five or 10 times more computing power in the same space. Yeah, I mean, heck, like the like the like small AirPods, but like the the AirPods Pro and <laughs> like others, they they have small computers in them. Right. Like, think mm -hmm. about that, and I mean, think about what you could do if you had a small computer that was whatever, twice as powerful. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Like I mean, and and we don't even know like where else we could put computers if they were small enough. Like, yeah, I think knows. that that that's always the exciting thing. The things that things that we don't know about yet that get enabled mm -hmm. by by this this kind of progress. But I mean, for me, the story was really exciting because it's been all sort of proprietary, confidential information, and finally mm -hmm. somebody's talking about it publicly. So it, it may be more yeah. interesting for me than. <laughs> yeah, I was I've been waiting thinking, for this day yeah. for a long time. I was just thinking. I mean, like quite some sci-fi stories have like nano machines that can do like. I don't know, repair, repair tissue damage or whatever, do any kind of medical treatment. Um, that might, I mean, maybe it's not CFATs, but that might be enabled by technology like that. I mean, they don't have, they, they need some computing power to do what, they, what they're supposed to do. I mean, we have other problems for sure to, to, to do that and to get to that point, but smaller, more efficient computing power is, I think, one, one thing you need for that. Mm hmm That's very cool. Yeah, I really like that. I also also like that you always bring like some some transistor some or some, weird some story chip. that nobody No, but it's it's like <laughs> something that I that I honestly personally never hear about. And you like you always bring that. So it's always interesting. Yeah. There's a whole world out there for whom January is the most important month of the year. It's crazy. <laughs> and well, I'm glad that that's part of your world. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, I like never bring stories because we, we always have a, a, a bigger group. Um, but I have one today since we have a smaller hey. group. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, so what's your story? Mine is about Bitcoin and, uh, and about the whole process that, that um, um, the researchers went through to prove that it's actually not anonymous at all. And yeah, we knew we knew that. Yeah. Yes. And but, well, I mean th this was uh was proven like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. and the process that these researchers went through has been used to uh to crack some some big cases and bring people to trial. Um mm -hmm. but it's it's fascinating what they did to get here, which is, which is why I'm bringing the story. It yeah, super interesting. And what's bringing this back up to the to the forefront now is that 
the, a book has been written about what oh. the uh, the, um, the researchers and and specifically uh, Sarah Michaeljohn, she she's the primary mm-hmm. person that figured all this out, um, and she, she was like a like an undergrad or something at the time, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so. It's just absolutely fascinating. She approached it as a uh, as another puzzle, and and uh, at the time they were able to download the entire blockchain for uh, for Bitcoin and mm-hmm. put it on a server on campus, and then just started um, crunching through the data and found the okay. patterns. They were able to to initially start grouping um uh wallet ids together mm-hmm. and and figure out who well not who but or they're able to figure out which wallet ids belong to either a single person or a single entity and uh and then eventually it went on to where they started figuring out how you could follow something from where it begins mm-hmm. all the way through to where it exits the the whole bitcoin ecosystem and is converted into into cash mm-hmm. and which uh, happens all the time actually right <laughs> like especially in like those in those areas like money laundering drug data, that's kind of usually the purpose like mm-hmm. and it turns yeah. out it doesn't work for money laundering at all because you can you can follow the public. transactions <laughs> yeah yeah from beginning yeah. to end yeah. and then once it comes out and gets yeah. converted to actual cash mm-hmm. then you can get subpoenas to see oh. where that cash went sometimes yes yeah sometimes I, I, yeah i, so I then, listened I listened to her, I think it was her on some podcast like a year or two ago where she was explaining all of that. And it was, I found it super interesting because it, it relied on mostly um, like networks, like, or like, um, it, it, well, networking laws kind of, and like social and psychology and so on. Like it wasn't about technology and how to figure out how to crack something, whatever. No, it was like, a, I mean, honestly, if you think about it quite simple in, in, in theory, at least, um, like a simple approach to simply say, well, um, like if money flows from here to here and other people are paying into the same thing and like you can track like where things are going and where they get combined with others. And uh, she figured out because there is, there is, um, <clears throat> that was later, but she figured out I mean, there's, there's things that you can do to hide this transaction because you basically pay into like you pay a certain amount in but then you pay out a different amount from that same wallet mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. like something else and then it's harder to to correlate that. If it's like the same amount goes in and the same amount goes out then it's quite obvious, okay, this went basically through here and then went there. Um, but she she figured out, out, out like all of those patterns like and how like how like the the bad guys in this case try to hide transactions as well, and that was really and that was really ingenious. Like to just think about it on a on a like a human term and say, okay, like this is this is it's not that different to traditional money flows, really, because so it's was always she doing, humans. From a technology point of view, was she just doing 
basic numerical analysis and looking for patterns. Yeah, pattern. A lot of it was pattern matching, like and figuring then, out mm -hmm. patterns and and flows and what goes from where to where right. and, and so on. And yeah. then the, um, the the entry and exit points are always the most vulnerable places yes. for the people trying to launder money, right? Yeah. And and like I mean that that's where it gets really difficult. And I think where she didn't partner with law enforcement and she had to. Um because I mean there were there were points that she couldn't get to. Like she couldn't get mm -hmm. to IP addresses and stuff like that. There, there were limits what she could do. Uh, but law enforcement clearly could do that. Mm -hmm. Um but the the problem was, and I remember that like I mean, the guys weren't stupid. Like they did that in sometimes in countries that were not very friendly right. to outsiders, like asking questions. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, some like maybe some Bitcoin wallet in I don't know. Bulgaria. Let's say North Korea. Yeah, North Korea. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, like could trade. I mean, honestly, that's not a joke. Like a lot of lot of money ended up in North Korea, and it's like yeah. they're making a lot of money with that. Um, you could maybe trace it to there, but then like from there, it just went nowhere because they, you cannot get any information from that. So, so could they, so this could be used to track things like ransomware. Yeah. It, right? It's all yeah. the time, like all the Which time. Which of course money... would take you to North Korea. most. Of the yeah, time. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's like, she started that, she started that approach and it's not, it's, it's a, I mean, she, she did it on a very technical like level and very well, but it was a, it was a human starting point to say like, mm. how, let's, let's figure out the patterns, how, like who works with whom and, and, and like who might be a group or even a single entity. Like, I mean, you could have whatever hundreds and thousands of wallets, but it's the same person. And mm -hmm. if you can get that together and figure out, okay, all of those kind of belong to the same person, because I don't know, all of them pay out to the same single right. wallet at the end. Then that, those relationships like are just yeah. crazy. It, it, it's kind of, yeah. it sounds a little bit like how law enforcement sometimes does the cell phone. Mm-hmm. Analysis where they're just looking at made it, metadata, who called who, when, and from where. Mm. They don't know yep. who any of these people are, but if you get enough of that data, you can start identifying people in relationships. That's yeah. really yeah. interesting yeah. science. How, that's how they, I mean, they could see like the big, um, you know, like Mount Gox and like the big, um, what was it, Silk Road and all of those. Mm -hmm. It's part of it, how they how they were able to to find them, like through like figuring out who was really behind them. Which wallets were actually behind them, and that that helped them at some point. And I think that I think in that case it was even they were able to find it because that person was in the U.S. So that that is the part. Is that it's I mean it's it's a really interest. It's a super interesting story. Thank you. Um. So the uh, the link that I put into the chat it's for Wired's story mm -hmm. about what happened and about the book being released. If you scroll like way down in, in the article, because it's, it's a fairly long article, there's a, uh, a graphic in there and it's a, a, a chart oh, showing the clustering oh my gosh. Oh my and, gosh. <laughs> and it's just fascinating to, to look at where all of these, these different wallets are connecting back in. Like Satoshi's right in the center. That's great. Mm -hmm. and, but look and how look big the big. bubbles. Yeah, Mount yeah. Gox, yeah. Mm -hmm. Silk I mean, Road. To, to, to some extent, I mean, to some extent, that is expected. Like the big, um, like the big Bitcoin 
like exchanges, right. they will have a bunch of them because that's kind of the point, like that that they everybody mm -hmm. goes in and out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as I said even even through, and and those are sometimes harder to to trace through because like money goes out and in and it goes into like an individual. It might go into a like a common even bucket for some exchanges at least, and then it goes out again, but in a different like maybe a different amount. It got combined with other transactions and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, she was able to to still over time and over a lot of transactions still correlate that and say, okay, like whenever this comes in later, this goes out. And like, because, you know, like an individual buying something is not doing that all the time or individual transacting. But if, if it's like a bigger network or bigger thing that that's constantly happening and then at some point you see the pattern. So that was, I said, it was really interesting. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I I think I'm gonna have to read this book mm -hmm. because yeah, just the article like a great book. was was riveting. Yeah, if I could remember what podcast that was, she like that was explained. It was really, yeah, it, it oh, went yeah. really. I would deep. love to to hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, was it? So it's and and I, I think the the big insight also that she had was, well, one of the let's say features of Bitcoin is also one of its flaws. Anybody can see any transaction. Mm -hmm. So it's not, mm -hmm. it's not where like, oh, I don't know, you need to collect the, the transaction data from all the banks and right. like what, what law enforcement has place. to do. Yeah, it's all public. Like anybody can download it and can yeah. can look yep, at just it. Just like she did. Yeah. And and that that's I mean <laughs> When, when people say it's anonymous, yeah, that's kind of the opposite in this case because it's all in, all in the open. Mm -hmm. Like, and you can go, and, and that's the other part. You can go back, like it's. I mean, you can go back to the beginning, and like, if 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 you all of a sudden realize something is happening, you can go back as far as you want because it's from day one. Like, basically, it's all there. Yeah, she was able to identify the first test transaction that Satoshi mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. Wow, even the first she just test pick it right out. Yeah, and... I mean, it's not that's not so hard to 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 see. Right, but you know the yeah. fact that that with all of that data, mm -hmm. sure, they were able to to go back that far and say, oh yeah, this definitively is that yeah. specific transaction. Yeah, and and that's where it gets really difficult. I mean, it wasn't a straightforward path where it's like, oh, identify this pattern and do that. No, like over time you learn and you realize and you figure out, oh, this is how this is going. And then you have to go back, basically unwind everything and go back and say, okay, now that I know that this is happening, where else is that happening or what happened before that? And like basically go back and forth over the same data set. And that is the, the tricky part. So what what is the final implication of this? Does it mean if you're a mon money launderer, you have to be very careful and only take your money out in North Korea? <laughs> you know, yeah, that's the moral that's of the story yeah. is you need to you need to spend a lot of money with government officials in yeah. certain or countries. Or maybe don't yeah, or maybe don't use Bitcoin. Or don't yeah. use maybe don't uh, commit crimes. Yeah. Well, that that would be honestly <laughs> probably the best approach, right. but that's probably not going to happen. So yeah, don't use Bitcoin. Yeah, and I I mean they're realizing that very very slowly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not not a reliable way to to launder money. But don't all the cyber cyber currencies, cryptocurrencies, have blockchains? Um, 
not all of them and not all of them are public. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, one of the features is simply that it's a, it's a public blockchain, so. So bad yeah. guys are just going to have to move off to, uh, right. to private blockchains. Yeah. 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 But I mean, yeah, it's, it's a set, it, but then that the problem with that is if, if, if you, like, you have your own system and you're the only one using it, then it's also quite easy to figure out who is <laughs> using it. So yeah, like, I mean, easy. one of the advantage of one of the advantages of, of Bitcoin is because there is so many other transactions, um, it's easier to hide in the, like in the noise, basically. And, and that makes sense. Yeah. Hey, you know what else makes sense? Using TSO hosts. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, the reason it makes sense is because if if you need to buy domain names, you want it to be easy and affordable. And they do that. If you want to have web hosting, you want it to be reliable. And they make that uh, possible for you as well. And uh, why do I bring this up? This is probably a shock to everyone. You've probably never heard this before. But here's the deal. TSO Host is helping us do what we do. They are giving us the bandwidth to live stream to you every single week. They are giving us the hosting space. So there's a place for the website to live. They're also giving us the server space we need for all of the show file recordings. So that show file recordings, that's kind of redundant. Anyhow. <laughs> You you want to watch or listen to a past episode, the files for that need to live somewhere so that you can download them. They're giving us the space to do that too. This is actually a really big deal. And uh, it's a big deal because it takes a lot of resources to do all of this. And those are resources that would go beyond what we would be able to make happen um, on our own at the British Tech Network. So they are very generously giving those to us so that we can do what we do. And uh, and that gives them a really great way to be able to give back to the community as well. So we really appreciate what TSO Host is doing. Now, I just said it, and this is probably something you've heard me say before too. I just said it, now it's your turn. So what you need to do is hop out on social media and thank TSO Host for being here and supporting the British Tech Network. It's it's important to do this because it, it gives them good feedback and validation and it makes them feel good. So they they know that what they're doing is, uh, I mean, they already know, but it's, it's nice to have that validation to know that what you're doing is uh, is something positive for the community. So please go give them some online love. Um, if at some point you find a domain name you need to buy, why not go ahead and use them for that? Because they make it super easy and affordable. If you need web hosting, yeah, throw that in your cart too. Then add the discount code BTN20 and get 20% off that order. So they're, they're being incredibly generous by giving us the resources to bring great shows to you every single week. They are also being incredibly generous by offering a really nice discount to all of you for being part of the BTM family. So thank you, TSO hosts, for being here and supporting us. And something else you've probably heard me say a lot. Speaking of support, Patrice, can you help me out <laughs> and tell people about the chat? Please. Of course. Of course. I would love to. 
So we have a really awesome live chat. Um, when you're like when we're recording this show, which we are streaming live on the internet at live.britishtechnetwork.com, you can go to our live chat and talk to us live and see the links we're posting for the stories and for any extra things from engineering um, and for the cool things that are coming up. And you can do that every Thursday, 7 p.m. UK time for the big show. So that's this show. And also, if you're into the Apple side of things, you can join us for the Mac show on Fridays at 4 p.m. UK time. Uh, Showtimes very rarely change, so follow us on social media. Um, for example, Mastodon, British Tech at techhangout.social. And then you will know if we have to change because we have some scheduling issues. Sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's really how easy it is to really talk to us live. But if you are listening to this in your favorite podcast player of choice, like on the website, wherever you get that content in, in the recorded form, that's totally fine. That's why we post it. Um, and you can still get at least to the links. Like for sure, the live chat doesn't work anymore because that is in the past. Um, but you can still see the links and all of that. And for that, we have a really handy chat transcript on, like if you head over to britishtechnetwork.com forward slash chat. And then put, there's a calendar that asks you for a date that you want to see. And you put in the recording date of a show. And you can go all the way back to 2015, to June, to see what we talked about back then, the interesting or not so interesting things that we talked about back then. It's really sometimes interesting to to do that. And then you can also put in today's date to get to the transcript for today's show, which would be January 18th, 2024. If you put that in, you will see everything that we talked about. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. You're welcome. And, uh, and Patrice, also, thank you for everything you do behind the scenes to to keep the uh, the show up and running, make it possible for us to have live streams. I, I don't know how many people know that you do a lot of work to keep all of this this running for us. So thank you for, for all of that. For the most part, it's all automated by now. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I've but... got little helpers everywhere. Well, okay. Thank you for being the 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 little helper that only in their mind is the little helper. You're you're the big helper. So thank you. Yeah. Um, um, hey, it's time for some cool things. And Tom, you are uh fastest on the draw. Tell us about your cool thing. Okay. Speaking about uh, people that volunteer their time to keep things running for the rest of us, like Patrice, um, my cool thing is a video of an interview with two of the people that are behind the Mastodon server, sfba.social. Oh, interesting. Nice. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've interacted with these these two guys. Uh, they're two of probably six or seven people that that run the instance. Um, you know, I've interacted with them on Macedon, but I'd never seen them interviewed. And it's a long interview. Uh, the person who did the interview is pretty good. I I, I don't know who, who he is, but I, I kind of liked his interviewing style. And it's a long video. It's about an hour. But it, it was interesting to hear about um, the one guy, John, who does a lot of the moderation work mm. and how they deal with sort of the, uh, 
I forget the names for the block instances, you know, that they evaluate which ones are going to block and what their policies are and, and deal with all the, the moderation issues that come up. You said, you know, after October 7th, that <laughs> there was a lot more to moderate. Um, and then the other person is Seb, who is, uh, I think he's a German transplant to San Francisco. German? Yeah, I think German. And he he, he kind of set it up, but it seems like John is the main guy who does um, the everyday work. And he said he only spends, he's probably underselling what he does, but he it's only a few hours a week. Um, and it's mostly moderation, but they do all the, you know, updates and things as well. I mean, that, that's one of the things. I mean, I'm running our own instance. Right. It's nowhere near in size. I have, I mean, I... The, the moderation I've done was basically me reporting something and moderating it myself because I've I, like I've someone <laughs> spammed me with some whatever homophobic or whatever like some something where I'm like okay like or, or just spam in general like happen you know women on internet you get it all shit right so mm -hmm. so but like it, it's like nothing um, but but uh, Mastodon itself it is actually quite easy to run. Like it's really well written, well documented, and works flawlessly. So I can I can totally see if you've automated it to like a level where you don't have to do a lot, that it's only a couple of hours. Like at least for the purely server admin area. Yeah, it it was really surprising to me. I just had this image of volunteers with uh, status monitors up, and mm. they would have somebody on there twenty four hours a day, and they'd hand off shifts and. <laughs> sound like that is it at yeah. all if it's really really big i bet you would have to do that because at some point like if you have millions of of people or whatever well, you it, mastodon it, it becomes, social there's yeah it becomes mm -hmm. it becomes a like a part-time or full-time job at some point but yeah i mean the, the, the small to mid-size it's it's not no work it's still a lot but you don't need a lot of the really complex stuff so for me, it was interesting if you if you use Mastodon to kind of hear how things go, or just in general uh, about social media moderation. Yeah, uh, it, it was interesting from that point of view. And Patrice, mm -hmm. I think you might like to hear a little bit of it just from your perspective since you run For an sure. instance. Yeah, I'll I'll watch that because that's super interesting. That's very cool. And somehow I think one of those guys I know because one of them looks really familiar. I don't know where from. Yeah, the guy on the right is Seb. Let me look at the picture. Yeah, the guy on the far right is Seb. The guy in the middle is John, mm -hmm. and the guy on the left. Uh, yeah, is and the, the guy on the right looks looks super familiar. Maybe I've seen him somewhere else, or may, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe he looks I, really I've been familiar around, to me too. I've been around SFBA for a while, so as well. So could also be I've just seen him there. So. Yeah, I'm not sure what his background is. Yeah, well, I'll look it up. Awesome. All right. Patrice, um, I just clicked the link for your cool thing. And yeah. uh, as the host of Fiddy Flashback, this seems very appropriate. It's to me. super appropriate. So yeah, I like it's it's really for well, you could think for me, it's a really interesting, cool thing. It's not like a typical techie thing you would expect, but for me it's like very like fitting and it's yeah, it's um the company is Siemens, which is German, like really old. Manif electronics manufacturer like i mean they, they do anything from whatever trains to like home like equipment and i don't know what else like uh industrial anything like i mean the i think the um 
the like the in in in, in uh, crap Iran the in in Natanz like nuclear facility I think there was like ton like of Siemens equipment yeah. equipment in there mm -hmm. and so on so like it's a big and old and not something not very innovative company <laughs> um, but they what they built is really really good um, and my my cool thing is the the oven that I bought. So um, I bought a new oven and a new cooktop, like a hot cooktop induction uh, thingy. Mm -hmm. um, so probably next week or one of the next weeks, I'll pick that as my cool thing because that's the other part of this purchase. Um, but I'm baking a lot of bread and stuff, and I really like. I mean, I like cooking. I like baking. Um, so the and the the oven in this in this apartment was the cheapest crap you could find. Mm -hmm. really literally it was, cheap. it was so like i took that's it out that's not good myself. for you <laughs> no i took it out myself like i installed it myself because it's super easy and i mean the, the one i took out it was like it was super lightweight and whatever and i'm like oh that's not a problem and then i got this one and i barely made it it was so <laughs> this this weighs like 43 kilos so that's like wow 80, 80 pounds. pounds yeah 90 pounds. yeah 80 something 90 pounds something like that so it was quite heavy and hard to get in and the other one was probably like whatever 10 and something like that <laughs> wow uh, but this is really cool so um it's a steam function um you can get it in not in the us at least not it wasn't listed on a website so i don't know if the manufacturer doesn't sell in the us but in most of the rest of the world you can find it asia europe like oh, everywhere they're, they're selling it's just not the us for some reason interesting um or, or at least it wasn't listed on our website when I looked. Yeah, we it. don't get a lot of Siemens consumer appliances yeah. here for some so reason. Could could be or they're selling it under a different brand. Um, there right. is actually it's even in Europe there is an alternative brand, uh, Bosch. Uh, oh, that's true. We get it. Yeah, which, yeah, we get it. Which is Bosch. basically yeah, yeah. the same the same company, and they have true. almost the identity. I mean, I I even looked at some like in the past. I looked at products, and it was basically the same product, and they had like whatever. One had a blue light, and one had a like a oh. <laughs> um, it's party time at Patrice's. One place. had a blue light and one had a whatever more yellowish light, and there was a difference. So, like, a, there was a fridge, I think. So, yeah, Bosch is a pretty <laughs> high end brand here. Yeah. So, maybe the, the equivalent, actually, I should have looked that up. There's probably a Bosch equivalent to that. Um, anyway, it's a really cool thing. It has um, the home, it's called Home Connect. So, they have an app. Um, it is actually more useful than I thought. I, I bought it mostly so I can get like notifications when something is ready. Like I might be here in the office and not hear it or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it's actually, you can control a ton of stuff from the app actually. And I didn't expect that. So like, you, I mean, they have pre-programmed recipes, even if you want it. I never used that. I don't need that. But you can like even create your own favorites for certain things. You can change the temperature, change the time, like any of that, turn it on and off. And like it's just Wi-Fi enabled. So I mean for sure they do the software updates as well over Wi-Fi. So it's actually actually a really good product. And it wasn't not gonna lie, it was more expensive. It's like fifteen hundred pounds, it says here in the UK. It was I paid less. I paid I think like thirteen hundred euros or something. Okay, it's actually not horribly priced. It's, it's high for, end, but it's not for, horrible. For high end, like it, yeah. it has Steam support. So, like for me, that's especially when I'm baking bread or like rolls mm -hmm. or whatever. Like it's super important that I can like add Steam. Um, so that makes it a little bit more expensive. But if, I mean, I've seen I've seen like ovens go for like twice that much. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good product. I'm really I did, I did a did ton you use of it research. for the 
those sourdough rolls yes. that you made recently. Yes. Oh, nice. Those rolls yeah. looked awesome. Yeah, they, they were really good. good. I'm I'm baking. I mean, I'm making my like I I stopped buying bread basically. I'm making all of my own bread because it's mm -hmm. honestly super easy to make. It's not mm -hmm. a lot. Like you you would think, oh, it's a lot of work. It is actually not that much work. Like it is like I found some recipes where it's like it might take 24 hours, but it's not 24 hours of work. It's like okay, five minutes here, let it sit for 12 hours. Five minutes there, let it sit for 12 hours, and then. At the end, maybe half an hour to actually form, depending on how much of dough you have to actually form. I usually do twice the amount, so I can just freeze most of them. You have to get that uh, extra fast yeast, right? Um, <laughs> no, I have uh, it's a sourdough, so it's and I, I actually oh. uh, the sourdough I actually created myself. So just oh, I started did. with water, with water and um, like whole, whole grain organic uh, rye. And mm -hmm. rye flour, and then like started from that. It, that took a couple of weeks, but it's also the same thing. It's like uh, five minutes, and then you let it sit for like a day. It's right. like it's not. It's it's honestly, I'm surprised how little work it uh, at the end is. Like there's okay. certain things like pretzels. I'm I'm still I'm like ah, it might be a little bit too much work. I'm too lazy to do that. <laughs> Uh, but so the, like ne the next things... thing you need to buy is a vacuum sealer so that you can package up those sourdough rolls and send mm -hmm. them to Jeff and I. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure that's a good idea. <laughs> well, okay. The FDA, we also, the F the FDA yeah, might also can... have like an opinion about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So um yeah, this is it. It's 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 a really good product. Highly I mean in general I've had I've bought their products for years. Like when I was in Germany, the last kitchen I built was basically all all like Siemens. I'm very happy with, with their with their products. Like I have the um the washer and dryer also from them. Like I'm quite happy. It's not the only brand out there, but I'm quite happy with, with their overall solutions. So and they're a German company. I don't know where they produce, probably Hungary or Turkey or whatever. Yeah, it's not China. Not China. Cool. All right. Um, so for my thing, I'm trying to remember if I've done this cool thing recently. And it's a website called Fountain Pen Companion. You mention it, but not as a cool thing. Okay. Well, it's it's my cool thing then. And here here's the deal. Um, I recently got into fountain pens. And uh, like, look at this. I have three inked right now. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Lam uh, Lammy Safari, uh, Pilot Kakuno, and a Pilot Vanishing Point. And mm -hmm. um, so keeping track of the pens. Well, for me, uh, honestly, I have seven pens. And, um, and of the seven, I bought one. And... Um, the, the rest were, were gifts from a friend who passed away. And um, so I can keep track of all the pens I have very easily, but having a way to keep track of, of the pens when I got them, if I get more, um, you know, it would be nice to have a way to be able to do that where, where um, it's digital. And so some pen enthusiast decided that they were going to build a site for that. So, this is crazy. So this it's a website yeah. where you can keep track yeah. of, of all of your pens, all of your inks, what yeah, pen I, has I, what I just ink clicked on, when, when it was yeah. added. 
I just clicked on the discover ink and it has 633 brands of ink. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So there's the whole discovery <laughs> thing that goes along with this. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a fun resource for keeping track of the, um, the, the pens and inks that you have. Uh, but it's also a great resource for uh, um, learning what else is out there. And there's, there's a, um, uh, a new feature that I have not started playing with yet because it's a, it's a new thing. And it's, it's the pen suggestion where it suggests what pen to ink next. And actually I'm going to click it, see what it tells me. Uh, it, t it tells me exactly what I had already figured. I need to, uh, to ink my pilot, uh, Namiki Falcon, which is like a super nice pen. And I'm, I, I'm just champing at the bit to ink that one and see how it feels. But, you know, I've got three pens right here that are inked mm. and, um, and I just, don't feel like having four pens with ink in them at the same time is smart because that the ink will dry out before I finish using it. So mm. I need to wait for one of these pens to, uh, to run dry. Then I'll ink up the, the Falcon, but I, I'm very <laughs> much space looking for new ones. Yes. So how, how, in general, generally, how long does ink last in the pen before you have to replace it? Um, based on what I have been learning, well, first, um, it's longer than I've had these pens inked oh. because they're, they're all fine. And, um, um, the, 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 the pen that's been inked the longest right now is my, my Kakuno. And that, that's been four weeks now. Mm. So... A lot of it, from what I understand, depends on how well the pen seals. Well, that makes when, sense when uh, when you're not using it, right? So, anyhow, it's it's a super fun <clears throat> website, and um, it's um, it's pretty cool. It's it's just fun. So, there you go. Oh, and it's free. Can't beat that. Can't beat that. Right yep. Price. All right. So with that, um, it's time to wrap up. It has been yeah. so much fun getting to hang out with with both of you today. And uh, but before we go, we did say there there was uh, an announcement. A big announcement. A big announcement. So um, if you were here for the for the pre-show, you totally got to experience it. And if not, well, here's the deal. Ewan paid us a visit today before the show started. And, uh, he's, and back. he's back. It was great <laughs> to see him. And he's going to start joining in on the shows. So um, uh, we are uh, most likely going to see him join us next week. And it'll be great to have Ewan joining us again. Um, have another British voice on the American Tech Network. That's right. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, that's why he needs to come back. For sure. Well, I, 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 I'm a firm believer in in the whole DEI 
um, mm-hmm. philosophy, diversity, <laughs> equity, inclusion. Mm-hmm. And since since this is the British Tech Network, it's nice to to at least sometimes have someone on the show that's from the UK. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Every now and then have someone British on the British and Tech Network. <laughs> right. And and. Honestly, Ian has quite often been our yeah. our token Brit on yeah, on the so show. Yeah, so and true. And now now Ewan's going to be able to join in on that mm-hmm. again. So that's super exciting, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you. It's going to be great to have him back, huh? Yeah, no, it is. I mean, the 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 Europeans might actually outweigh the Americans, or at least like actually more or less equal, right? With with Ian and and Ben mm. and you two. Yeah, I would be kind of equal so yeah so <laughs> see now now we're getting uh into equity there mm-hmm. yeah that's how it should be <laughs> yep definitely <laughs> so anyhow super excited to see well and plus he can he can do all the editing for the shows for us so the shows will be better as well right <laughs> uh, right don't don't tell him that you said that he might not talk to you <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I shouldn't say that. Never no. mind, you and we'll take no, care but, of the editing. But you know, you and can edit. He can edit. Yeah, <laughs> he can. Well, okay. If you and were to edit any of these shows, I'm certain he would edit them exactly the same as he did when when he was here uh, yes. all the time as the host. Yeah, which means that never happened. <laughs> Nothing. No editing. <laughs> no editing. Which yeah. is exactly how these shows work still. No mm-hmm. editing. Yeah. For, for better or worse. It's our unique right. value proposition. Yes, no editing. Yep. We need um, to get t-shirts with a no editing with a red line through and send it to Yoon. No, that, I mean, for Yoon, it would be no worries, I can edit. Oh, no worries, I can edit. <laughs> That's right. That's a better one. Uh, I even heard that in his voice. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good times. All right. Well. Um. Okay. So we all have something to look forward to next week because you and should be here. Um. So. Until then, Patrice, where can people find you? Well, I'm here every week on the British Tech Network. I can mm-hmm. say that <laughs> on Thursdays on network. <laughs> Thursdays on the big show and also on Fridays on the Mac show. You can find everything about me, all the projects, podcasts, uh, literally everything I'm doing on my website at thepatrice.com. And let's pimp Mastodon. So um, yeah. yeah, I'm running a Mastodon instance since we talked about that earlier. And it's at techhangout.social. It's a small one. It's going to stay small. It's basically people that I know um, can join. Like, if you know me, send me a message. I'll give you a link. You can join. It's not like it's not that it's super exclusive club, but it's a somewhat exclusive club um, because I just don't want to do too much work there and have to deal with privacy laws and all of that crap. So mm-hmm. not crap. It's important, but I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's why it's limited, uh, techhangout.social, but yeah, we have some cool podcasts on there, like the British Tech Network, for example, is at British Tech at techhangout.social or in touch with iOS as well, in touch with iOS at techhangout.social. So there's some podcasts on there and yeah, that's, that's what it's for. <laughs>
Awesome. And, uh, and thanks for putting that together. Yeah. I even have some, some secrets, pro secret projects in the background. Like for example, I'm running a pixel fat, uh, instance. So that's kind of an Instagram mm -hmm. clone replacement, whatever you want to call it, um, mm -hmm. which is quite cool. It's Let's still very it early and rough. Alternative. Yeah. Uh, it's still very new and rough, but making good progress. So I'm very, very happy about that. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Tom, where can people find you? Well, Jeff, people can find me uh, on Mastodon. I am Tom F at sfba.social. Awesome. And uh, that's it's, I mean, I know every week you, you just have, here, here's the place you can find me. But I'm so used to people having these long lists that every week I have to remind myself, okay, yeah, that, that was it. Um, Tom is very efficient. I'll very, work on adding, efficient. I'll work on adding more places to find me. <laughs> Thank you. Well, soon you can be found in Egypt. So there's that. Yeah, right? soon you'll find me in Egypt. Yeah. 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 Awesome. All right. So for me, social media. I am Jay Gamut on uh, all the social medias. I am active on Mastodon, Instagram, and Threads. And um, then for shows, uh, Tuesdays, Chuck Joyner's Mac Voices Live. Then on Thursdays, Dave Ginsburg's In Touch with iOS. Here on the British Tech Network, Thursdays on the Big Show, Fridays on the Mac Show. And then uh, also Brian Chaffin and I record The Context Machine. And... Um, yeah. Okay. I, I, I think that's enough. So with that, thank you again to both of you for being here and, um, and hanging out with me. This has just been a, a, an absolute treat. So seriously, thank you. Everyone that's watching, listening live, uh, participating in the live chat, thank you for being here and being part of all of this. You are all awesome. And then everyone that watches or listens to the show recordings later on, thank you for being part of the BTN family as well. All of you rock. And speaking of rocking, TSO hosts, thank you for being here and supporting us. Um, give them some online love, please. And uh, Ewan, Thank you for being you. We are looking forward to seeing you soon. Muller, thanks for making sure we have people for shows. And um, um, the um, the Daily News Show, if you are not checking that out, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yes. Hop to it, people. It's, it's a great uh, five-minute nugget of the tech news that you need to know five days a week or more, if you're paying more, um, throw some money at that show because it costs us money to keep that running. And uh, Kyle is amazing. So please send money in to make sure that the Daily News Show stays on the air. And um, with that, be sure to tune in tomorrow for the Mac show. Then join us again next Thursday for the big show. And, uh, and if all goes well, Ewan will be here with us, which will be super great. And everyone, have an amazing weekend.